the neutral zone a star trek podcast by ladies where we talk about star trek loudly and at great length i'm your host cream joined as ever by my charming co-host kim hello and my argumentative co-host ari (laughs) hello welcome to episode 22 space seed or as i like to call it 50 shades of con (laughs) (laughs) so this is i think probably the most famous it's one of the most famous episodes of the original series. Yeah. There's, there's a couple I'd put ahead of it, but it's definitely up there with the most famous. I do think it contains... It doesn't contain, but it contains the <laughs> seeds of the storyline uh, that gives us the most famous line. And by line, I mean single word of Star Trek, which is, of course... Con! Yeah. Mine was bad. That <laughs> was, was bad. Was jazz hands, Kim. <laughs> More like fist to the sky. I'd say that it, it probably has the most famous guest star. Yes, yeah, definitely. definitely. Like, iconic Star Trek figure of all kind. Yes. Of yes. all time. Yes, definitely. And, yeah, and it introduces us to a lot of Earth history, where Star Trek remembers the 90s very differently from what <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah, I, was, I wrote down the dates. There's some point where they mention this, like, between 1992 and 1996, and I'm like, I remember that a little differently. <laughs> Just a little Less bit. genocide, <laughs> like, on the whole. Well, the interesting thing is, because this episode is the first time it's it's the 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 birthplace of most talk of the particular period in the star trek universe known as the eugenics wars it is also the most inconsistently told story in star trek canon because they didn't just tell this story inconsistently throughout star trek canon more they avoided giving us any information about it at all that might make them commit to when it happened um they just tell us the 90s later on we get 92 to 96 but it sort of hops all over the place, and most of the time you get the overwhelming feeling they're trying to avoid giving specific dates. Well, it's because they based it in such a, well, I guess for us, recent past. It yeah. wasn't far enough in the future no. that people would look at it and say it's ridiculous, which I did. Yeah. When they said 92, I was like, oh. <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> you had a, for a utopian television show, a very dystopian view of what would happen 30 years yeah. later. Yeah. Well, there's also now that I'm thinking about it. There's an episode of Voyager where they go back in time to like I think like 1997. There's no war happening where they are. I mean, oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um yeah it's like future. I don't even remember. It's the one with um um Ed Bagley Jr. is the guest star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so they go back to like 1997 and it's like California seaside. It's very idyllic. No genocide. No, no genocide. And yet, like, but I mean, you also, we also could be, be the war isn't there at that point, because we hear that where Khan was in charge, like, took over was, um, Asia and Eastern Europe. But there were other tyrants in charge of other areas. That is true. Um, the other thing is, is that Khan is, I think, supposed to be, and I'm going to argue this probably to my grave, Supposed to be a worthy opponent for Kirk and Spock and McCoy. Yeah. That it takes the combined power of three, Sailor Moon style, to <laughs> defeat Khan. And because I 
have not seen so I do not remember the Rock and Cole movie at all. Um, is this true? <laughs> not ultimately, no. I don't think that even happened in this episode. <laughs> well, the thing about, and we'll, I'll come back to this later when we actually get to that point in the story, is that what always brings the, and I'm going to use the Enterprise term for it because that's what's in memory alpha for all of it. Mm-hmm. Every time he augments. Oof. Yeah. Every time he augments face up to uh, the, the, ed, the evolved Simple, humans. regular humans. Yeah. The evolved but not, you know, genetically modified humans of the 20, what, the 23rd, the muggles, 24th. When the, they meet yeah, the muggles. Every time they meet these regular people. Muggles. Sure. Um. What ultimately brings them down is that they're just too arrogant. That yeah, they, well, it, it's pitched out as a ship of 100 Napoleons. Yeah, but yeah. basically they're just, they I think that brute force and, and, and a cult of personality will solve all problems, but every single time they try and use that strategy, over and over again, by the way, regardless of what have happened in the last six encounters, they're brought down by, you know, simple things like using tools to overcome your super strength. Things like that. Like, the wrench in engineering yeah. with Kirk. Yeah. It's like, you have the strength of three men. Well, fine, I'm just going to hit you with a fucking wrench. To be fair, that's pretty much would have been my problem-solving, you know, solution as well. Wrench? Or an other heavy object. You're, like you're three times stronger than me? I'm going to find something really heavy to hit you over the head that's with. That's true. In the Fast and the Furious tradition, a wrench is usually a good weapon. Yeah. I feel like this could be turned into a game of Star Trek Clue, where was Khan <laughs> yes! murdered by oh. by Kirk in engineering with a wrench, by Scotty in sickbay with a phaser. Would play. Yeah. Actually, we should get on that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I hesitate to mention, because I know it's going to bring it, bring out some very strong emotions, Ari, um, is that Khan is also the main villain in the second reboot movie, <sighs> Inch Darkness. Uh, yes. Okay. Here's my strong emotion. Uh. I have the same emotion, except possibly with some nausea. Well, I know. Again, that kind of plays in that Khan is the only worthy advers- adversary that Kurt really ever had intellectually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> That's very mature. Okay, I do not disagree with that sentiment, but. In Into Darkness, did we get the dolls? No. Just like not even a little bit. I honestly only saw that movie once and spent most of the time with my arms crossed, going, "Really, really, yeah, yeah same, uh, same here." Like, yeah, I've only seen it once. He was and... the milk toast version of Khan, and I mean that in every possible <laughs> sense of that word. Yeah, um, I think I feel like. They used Khan in that second movie because it was the most famous Star Trek villain that J.J. Yeah. Abrams knew. Yeah. I feel like... These were, losers like that word, right? Khan? Ken? Kane? I feel like they were trying to remake The Wrath of Khan, but again, the the success or failure of the movies depends on us knowing and loving these characters and yeah. loving their relationship between them. We want them to succeed and work together to overcome something, whereas in the second movie, who cares? Yeah. I don't know these people. Nope. I don't particularly care for most of them. No, nope. At no point do any of the, either of the Abrams movies convince me that these people like each other, know each other, care what happens to each other. Not between Kirk and Spock. Certainly not. Yeah. And that's that, like and the that's entire that, emotional hinge of that film. Yeah. Yes. Like, I mean, we all know, okay, as much as I don't actually remember what happens in The Wrath of Khan, we all know the famous, that scene, that yes. scene you'll forever be my friend, whatever. Tears. Yeah. And they tried to recreate it. In the second J.J. Abrams one, it's Into Darkness, right? Yeah, sure. Into shit. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't play well because you don't get the idea at that they all give a shit what that Kirk and Spock care about each other. No. Yeah. 
They don't have, you know, 25 years of camaraderie. Well, this is what happens when you put somebody in charge of making Star Trek movies who doesn't know or like Star Trek. And that's a discussion for another Yeah, time. I was just going to say, but, we just veered wildly off course. Knows? They tried but, to remake a movie for nostalgia value, but didn't really understand what made that movie meaningful and, and have weight in the first place. No, it's interesting because this episode has a lot of bold emotional beats, both for Kirk and Spock, where they're kind of gently teasing each other. And the entire crew. Yes, and actually for the entire crew, which I thought was very interesting because that's the other reason that they fail. When Kirk is supposed to be in terrible peril and he's dying and Khan is essentially offering them like the devil's deal Mm -hmm. of if you show me how to use this ship, I'll let him go, is that at the point where all of them are supposed to be emotional and human, they all let go of their emotions in the way of Spock and they all become like Spock Mm -hmm. because he is the person and the mental state most able to deal with these terrible things. Because he's, well, if Kirk's going to get id he's the next one in charge so that makes sense <laughs> i thought it was just a like a really beautiful thing with in, in an episode which is essentially about emotions and what it means to be human and what it means to be superhuman in a way spock is superhuman yeah he, he is in a way an evolved human like has let go of all the gross emotions that make us stab each other <laughs> and operates on pure logic which some people see as like the evolution of humans is that we let go of the things that make us volatile the emotional aspect of of life and what star trek often argues is that you need all the emotions to make a human but if you're thinking about an evolved human that spock is kind of an ideal that we should be striving for an alternate reading of that scene because i mentioned you're you're the one in the conference room where they're watching kirk on the screen is that their reaction is out of irrational loyalty because that's the way that Khan reads it he's like you're all being irrational and emotional and your fierce loyalty is going to get you all killed and the reading the other reading on that is that Khan has all of the 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 destructive passions but he doesn't understand things like not killing the people that you like because you like them yeah that's so actually like they, a fair point because it's like he's offering them he's like this is a rational exchange you Ooh, come over to rational. My, well no but that's no. how he's framing it. he's like it's a self-survival it's a self-survival thing. thing the reasonable thing to do is to betray your captain and they're yeah. like fuck no he's, it's emo- what he's trying to do is emotionally blackmail them by turning by using their their loyalty and their affection for kirk against yeah. them and what they do is they do what Kirk would want them to do it's out of loyalty ideal. to him. Because if Kirk could speak to them in that moment, yeah. he would say, don't do it. Yeah. And every no, single of one of them knows it. They choose the ideal over but him. But it's so yeah. interesting, Ari, that you say that Khan has all of the negative human emotions. So when Kirk was split into two. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a theme that we've seen throughout the episodes that we've been watching. That, that without that compassion, without that understanding compassion... We've dealt with these superhumans before. We've dealt with Gary yeah. Marshall. We've dealt with Trelane, Dark yeah. Charlie X. It's all the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So Khan is just, oh god, he's just another one. Yeah. And especially, especially when you look at his, um, his interactions and his relationship with McIver. Oh. Even though they're trying to paint it as rom- as something like. I, well, I don't know if we're supposed to feel like, I don't think we're supposed to like it, but it's supposed to come off as some kind of a romance, but everything from his end is about power mm-hmm. over her, not affection or love, or it's, he likes her because he can control her. He likes her because he can have power over her. I agree with you 50%. Because he... You mean 50 shades? Oh, God. I'm going to come back to that because it that this, this reminded me oh, yeah. very strongly of that is that she and there's a cut scene where she's like, oh, I don't want any like 
Moon Man. Who's oh, he's like, the, oh, I'm waiting for a man who can pick me up and carry me where he yeah, wants that no, one. Yeah, who's going to break down my door, yeah. pick me up, throw me over his shoulder, and then have me six ways till Friday. <laughs> and that's, that's what she wants. Paraphrasing, but yeah. Yeah, and again, in the episode, she's like, oh, I want a strong man. I'm into, like, the warrior types, like your alpha male. It's like, you know what you're talking about. Well, okay, I, I mean, I can see... I will say that I Kim has fantasized about no no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is is this is this is what I'm always saying because my my turn of fictional male definitely goes to the powerful assholes. The macho macho man. Yes, exactly. But there's there's I'm like I'm very cognizant of the division between fiction and reality. And so whereas I'm going to like the evil asshole who's kind of a dick to you, Kylie Kylie for. A current example. <laughs> Kylo Ren's my fave. He's, he's terrible. In real life? Hells no. And so that is what she is not understanding is she's yeah. seeing like my favorite historical figure is Alexander the Great. He conquered the world before he was 30. He also like, and then if I actually look at the reality of that, like he killed a shit ton of people and was probably not that great. Two of his friends tried to murder him at different points. So like, Okay, we have a surprise for you tonight, then. <laughs> and so what she, what I feel like McIver is not seeing is the, the, the distinction between, like, the historical romanticization of these, like, powerful men who were leaders well, and have, the reality of the fact that they were probably giant a-holes. Well, they actually do have that conversation at one point in this episode, um, because Scotty, they're sitting around the conference table when they actually identify Khan, and Scotty's like, and Spock is like, because the three of them, the three, the three yeah, humans at the table are like, hard on they have, they have, a, yeah, they they have a historical man crush on mm-hmm. this guy. And Spock's looking around at them all horrified. He's like, he was like a mass murderer and blah, blah, blah. I, I really felt this moment. <laughs> and and the rest of them. still admire him and yeah. know he was an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Spock's like, weird humans. He's but right. that's the thing about Khan, and this is what I think is the basis of it, is that both in his let's call it romantic, for lack of a better word, relationships and his relationships with the people he sees as his rivals is that everything is about power and order. Nothing else is important. And the only times he indulges in anything else, it's as a a diversion, but it doesn't form the central basis of any of his decisions or his personality. And people who do form their personalities on those traits, like the crew of the Enterprise, like Kirk, he he dismisses them as... uh, as silly, as as weak. Hmm. And that's ultimately why he fails, because he's wrong. Would strongly disagree. But, yeah, so I'm going to come out and say this, because I know what reaction I'm going to get. I hate this episode. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't like it at all. <laughs> I'm really happy to hear you say that. <laughs> Thank you. I get to play, I will be playing the part of Kim for this episode. <laughs> Um, Kim will also be playing, Kim will be playing a moderate version of Kim. Okay, Because Kim while Jr. I did not particularly like the episode, I didn't have a violent hatred for it where I was like, I wasn't pausing the TV to avoid watching. <laughs> I was pausing to write down those specific quote because it was going so fast. So it, I found it interesting, but I didn't like it. I didn't. I didn't hate it or adore it for itself, but I really like all of the ways that this connects to future canon. I will admit there are scenes of it that I like a lot, but I think that Khan for me is never the worthy adversary. No, well, no, he never. He is. never challenges Kirk or Spock or McCoy in a direct or interesting way. No, Khan is a dangerous adversary in the way that 
a wild animal is a dangerous adversary. Yeah. It's powerful and it's scary, but it's unpredictable. And ultimately, you're going to win because you're more connected and you're smarter. But he he continually talks about, you know, oh, Kirk, you're such a good tactician. Mm. No, Kirk is not a good tactician because oh, thro- throwing yourself at something is not just a great <laughs> tactic. Can you shut your face? <laughs> Kirk is a magnificent tactician, and we've seen that in evidence because he can beat Spock at three-dimensional chess. But there isn't what I would like about this, let's say, in contrast with the Corbamite mm-hmm. maneuver. Thank you. Uh, in terms of, like, the Corbamite maneuver, where it is, like, a chess game. You do this, you yeah. do this. Or with the Roman, Romulan um, yeah. general. Yeah. Like, that was a worthy adversary. Yes. Well, they were equals in that they case. Were, yeah. They were equals. And we're supposed to understand that Khan is physically more far s- above all of them. Yeah. Except for Spock. Spock is kind of like a secret muscle man, if I remember correctly. Well, well Vulcans Spock, are super he's got the Yeah, he's supposed to be really quite strong and he's got the Vulcan yeah. nerve pinch. I kind of wish that there had been a chance for him to challenge all three of our main characters individually at their talent. So Kirk is the tactician, mm-hmm. Spock is kind of logical and cool thinking, and McCoy, I guess, physically, because he could hypospray him. They could get in a drinking contest. Yeah, well, they could get into a drinking contest. Well, and then you would see that, you know, Khan is superior in each of these individual parts, but because they work as a crew and they have compassion and loyalty for each other, they're able to beat the one man. Yeah. The one super man. I also think it's really interesting that we didn't get to meet any of, really get to meet any of Khan's crewmates from the ship. No. He operates as an individual and it's him against everything else. He doesn't, like, I mean, he wakes the crew up and we see them stretching and you see them as, like, showing up as, like, yeah, but they show up as, like, henchmen. But you never meet, like, a first officer or his best friend or whatever. But they're supposed to be 72 Napoleons, so why on earth are they listening to Khan? Yeah. I think it's, like, a temporary alliance sort of deal. I mean, the way it plays out in the episode, they are functioning more like henchmen, but the thing is that you can't really believe that any of them are, like, they're not really team players. They're just sort of like, well, right now, this is the best course of action. Is it weird that I kind of wanted there to be, like, a Mrs. Khan who would then, like, take Marla... Who's the power her. behind the power? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, honey. Yeah, that would have been awesome. I would have really liked that. I felt like we needed to see more of them. Was there a bunch of stuff cut out of this episode? Because I felt there was a couple of places where there was, like, oh, there's scenes missing from here. I don't. Mm, there's a bunch of cut stuff from the script, but I don't think any cut so. scenes that were actually filmed. Because oh, okay. there, there was an original story, yeah, that was kind of you know the Botany Bay tie-in that mm. it was actually criminals. Yeah, and so I think I want to say that Gene Roddenberry took a look at this and went, "No, that was his original idea." And then it was somebody else who was like, "No, why would you waste such advanced technology on criminals?" Which is like echoed in something Spock says. Yeah, and in the so episode. and so they looked at it and said, "Well, it doesn't make sense for them to be criminals." So why don't we make them, like, Superman? And then tidally went, whoa, you're a eugenics warrior in the 1990s? Oh, stuff is going to be shit back then. And then kind of turned it into that. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether in the length of the story, because this episode was extraordinarily expensive. Oh, yeah. Was it really? Oh, yes. Because they had to build a the whole new set, set of the uh, Botany oh, Bay. Yeah, Botany Bay. And, it was and then they had like a to dozen times build the oh, airlock. Mo- yeah. Oh, okay. And another hallway. And, yeah, it was very expensive for them to make. Yeah. So they actually, like, when they were showing them on air on 
live tel- or on television, they had to repeat another episode so they had enough time to finish this one. It's so crazy, like the weird haphazard slapdash way that they're making television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for us, when you know you can make your twenty-four episodes of Netflix and then just release it as one, but. Yeah, they were, they were hurrying. So I don't know whether there was stuff that was missed. I honestly didn't notice that there were huge gaps in it. No, I didn't. Um, I thought it actually flowed well, but yeah, I would have rewritten. along. I would have rewritten everything. Like, yes. I mean, hell, especially the way that they treat Khan and the other supermen slash super ladies later on. I could definitely smooth this out a little bit. What happened um, to them in the end? Did they just kind of... Oh, yeah, they left him on a planet. Yeah, they, yeah. they dumped him on a planet, which is what they wanted in the first place, except it was not no a, one a population donate. willing to be ruled. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually watched this on Netflix, and I don't know why we weren't doing that from the very beginning. Because I like the old not-remastered versions, because the special effects are redonkulous. I don't think they really changed any of the special effects. They just made space look nicer. No, the ship looks much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we watched the digitally remastered version of it. No, I think I watched a non-remastered version. Yeah, I, it was bold <laughs> to see it, the ship in 3D. It was crazy. It was. Like, something about 3D stars and then a 3D ship, it just seemed wrong. Well, the, the weird thing, I mean, I, re- I actually enjoy, the, if they did nothing else, I like the fact that space looks three-dimensional. But I like space to look like a little plastic sheet that they drew stars on. They poked holes in it. But, um, yeah, seeing the ships, like, moving like physics exists is very strange and kind of jarring. So it's a boring day on the Enterprise. Yep. They're floating through space, looking out at a blank screen. When suddenly... Boy, very sadly, no Sulu. No. No Sulu. No Chekhov No, we Um, haven't met Chekhov yet, though. No, but um, later on, in Wrath of Khan... Yeah. uh, Khan has met Chekhov. He knows who he is. So the... uh, Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. I know, it's confusing. See? So the idea is that he was a lower ranks crewman at this point, so we hadn't met him yet. Um, he was working the night shift. Yeah, and he somehow <laughs> encountered Khan slash the other augments at some point during this episode, but we never see him. So he's there, but he's invisible. Oh, okay. Apparently Sulu is too. Yeah. Yeah, and they come across an unknown vessel, which is signaled out in Morse code. Crazy old-fashioned Morse code. Crazy. Um, Kirk proceeds to be a dick to her. Why? He was a dick to all the ladies in this episode. Oh, no. MacGyver totally had it coming. No, before she had it coming, before she, like, swapped sides, he was a dick to her. Mostly when she wasn't on screen, but he was a dick. But, yeah, why was he mad at Ahura for doing her job? I don't know. He comes off as super brusque in this yeah. episode yeah. to everyone. But again, we've talked about the characterization of Kirk changes all, all in over charge. the place. Yeah. yeah. So he is very brusque in this episode. So while well, he's like gossiping with Spock about how old this ship is and which ship it is. Yeah. And how he pleasures or no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, does it give you pleasure to see me wrong? That was weird. That was very weird. Don't yeah, do that and Kirk says, it's my emotional earth weakness. Stop being sexy about this. No. I refuse. <laughs> so the unknown vessel is an EY 100 class earth wow. vessel. <laughs> see, even though Chekhov's not here, he is here in spirit. Uh, from the 1990s, <laughs> which uh, at that point was apparently impossibly far in the future. <laughs> Because apparently by the 1990s, we had spaceships. I feel really ripped off. It's like 
20 years in the future. But I guess, I like, know. think about it. They had not yet put a man on the moon, but it no. was an eventuality for yeah. them. And then they thought, wow, well, why would you stop at the moon? Yeah. Make spaceships. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, and, and, and Kirk's like, is it a derelict? And Spock's like, or is it a really super crazy old ship being used by aliens? Now, I would like to point out, because we had a problem with this in the court-martial episode, <laughs> that Kirk's chair definitely has a whole bunch of little buttons on the side. Yeah. However... Um, oh my god. Which seemed to be connected to a PA system to different parts of the ship, and apparently one that, well, that ejects is, the pod. Well, that's <laughs> what they do. Like, it, the PA system is a thing that shows up in Next Gen that I actually remember, um... Like Picard turning on like the the all ship announcement system yeah, and hitting sense. the button, but and to eject the pod. What happens right here is that Bones is in sick bay saying, "Well, there's heartbeats on board, but they're too slow to be human." And then Kirk goes, "Oh, okay," and calls a red alert by saying, "Red alert." He didn't have to push the red alert. No, button. no, because someone else has the red alert. Just like button. every episode before and after Court Martial, <gasps> he does it by telling someone else. Nothing you oh say will God. diminish the fact that Court Martial was an amazing episode. Oh so they call God. battle stations, which actually is a very reasonable precaution. We don't know what the fuck this ship is doing. It's not answering hails. No, but they immediately mount it. Yeah, uh, there's apparently 70 bodies on board, which no, they know before they beam over. There's 60 to 70 bodies, because there's 72 that make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they definitely mount that ship. Kind of ship. Kind they, of, I kind of liked the models, because yeah, I felt like you got a good idea of how big the Enterprise was. Yeah. Yeah, and how shitty the USS Bonnie Bay was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so then they kind of have a history lesson. Yeah, because they try and find this, this ship, but it's not registered in the records anywhere. No, not even so, the crazy old ones. But during the last World War, which was the Eugenics War, there was selective breeding and... Well, maybe. We're not really sure about what? that. Yeah, there was. I, I read about this this afternoon. Um, there's a lot of confusion in Star Trek canon whether the eugenics wars and World War Three were the same thing, and it may or may not be. When were we supposed to have a world war in between 67 and 1990? Remember what I said earlier about wild inconsistencies regarding this period in Star Trek history? <laughs> Whatever. So, apparently, some ambitious scientists had mm. too much time in a giant government grant and decided to start selectively breeding humans. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not an uncommon trope in sci-fi. It's really not. Oh, yeah, Shows. the Superman. It is yeah. the Superman. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in Russia, I would say, and there was the... During the Cold War, there was the fear of, like, the Russian Superman. Yeah. yeah. So if we watch the newest Man from Uncle, like, the Russian Superman, the Soviet Superman, where they're selectively yeah. breeding to get, like, bigger, faster, better humans. And so there was that very real fear. And so apparently the scientists just ignored all that mm-hmm. and definitely went through with it. Yep. Yeah. I believe in the Memory Alpha article, they talk about that the first, quote, augments, unquote, actually being created um, during the Cold War. Hey! Well, yeah. So that's appropriate given the time period in which what, this was written. What this makes me think of is there's an X-Files episode from season one called Eve, yeah. where you've got all these crazy little, it's one of the two crazy little twin girls, but you go back in time and the scientists, the grown-up clone scientist is like, this was a thing that was happening during the Cold War, and the Russians were doing it, so the Americans had to do it too. And it's all remnants left over from the 60s and stuff. And the impression we get from this little snippet conversation here is that it started in secret in little bits and pieces during the Cold War, and then very slowly escalated so that there were more and more of these people, and ultimately the group that caused... There were definitely more than 70. Whatever, whenever the eugenics wars. It's very vague, and no one's ever 100% clear when and how this happened. No, but the important thing is is that the USS Enterprise has a historian on board. Yeah, because... you know... Sure. 
for reason, she will never be seen again. No. (laughs) No, any historians, although they really should, because I think there are episodes of people from the I can't, I keep trying There's to think. There's the, uh, There's astronaut. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it makes sense to have, like, I mean, you've got all the other sciences represented. Why not have a historian? But she because seems to be. Not a science. Yeah, and she seems to just be an Earth historian, not like oh. a various other worlds in the Federation historian. That just Earth. is the least of her problems. Oh, she has many problems, but from what we know about her at this point, I cannot, like, why is there an Earth historian on the I Enterprise? I feel like she's... You're nowhere near Earth. What is it? Is it Demolition Man? The Maybe? one where Sylvester Stallone is frozen? And then goes forward in time? Yeah, and Sandra Bullock is, I like, think, a fan yeah. of the 90s, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it it's, like, selective bits of the 90s. And, like, all oh, and all restaurants are Taco Bell? And all restaurants are Taco Bell. I felt like is. she was the historian of the 90s in the same way that Sandra Bullock was. Yeah, but, like, I don't know why she's on this ship. It's very strange. But Kirk didn't like it either, because he was super rude to her Before out he of her hearing, her. and he's like, it'll give her that historian a chance to do something for a change. I, yeah, <laughs> I feel like he was, this was, like, added to the roster by someone who's like, no, 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 we need to... You know, appreciate the social scientists as well at the heart. Like fine, but please give her some other specializations, like other. Well, she is good at painting and ugly sculpture. Yes, not all valuable. All valuable space skills, I'm sure. (laughs) Not not to say that there can't be artists on. No, absolutely. Because isn't Keiko? Keiko's a civilian botanist, but she is a scientist. She paint. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, she does have. There's an episode where she remembers. Uh, she talks about doing painting and stuff like that. It's sort of more, I think, a hobby. It's not yeah. something that she does. I mean, like, it makes bro. sense for a ship on a long mission to have lots of people who have tons of ancillary specialties, like people who have lots of different specialties. Yeah. We, we've seen psychologists, which yeah. make very And we, we know we have at least one sociologist. That makes sense. And I will say that what we know about this show, we did go back to... Napoleonic France a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> having a historian would have helped then. Yeah. Oh, no, it Kim. It <laughs> we just yeah. had the episode where we needed the Victorian undertaker clothes. The quartermaster could have consulted with the historian. We're going to have uh, sure. gangsters coming up. We've got space oh, Nazis gangsters. coming up. There's lots of opportunities for a historian to have something to do. It, true, but her specialty in history seems to be the eugenics wars. No, it seems like, to be great men. Warriors. She is into warrior men. She is not shy about her hobbies. No. So her entire quarters are decorated with Napoleon, Alexander the Great. There's a, like a, I will never a argue with decorating with Alexander the Great. Uh, you're not biased skin all. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a weird thing. Like, if they had just name dropped a couple of other things, like, I don't know, like other planets history. Kodos the Executioner. Like that. <laughs> But, like, for it to be the only thing that she does on the ship, it is weird. It is a very strange specialty to have on a spaceship that is going into unknown. I think we should just call her Lieutenant Plot Necessity. Well, I have her down as Lieutenant MacGyver, because that is what I heard through the entire (laughs) episode. uh, MacGyvers? MacGyvers. Yeah. I know, it's weird. It's spelled weird, and it doesn't sound like I was writing this down, Mick... I V E R S the whole time. M C capital G I V E R S. That G was not hearable. She is a plot MacGyver, so she is Lieutenant MacGyver. Yeah. And 
I can't, I would really just like to bring it back to the point that her statuary is hideous. She also seems <laughs> to spend literally all her time painting because the first time we see her, she's putting on a some smock. kind of bizarre smock and she seems annoyed to be called to work. So you don't get the impression that she does do very much on the ship because no. she spends all her time in uniform wearing a shiny silver smock painting pictures of uh, dead dictators. That she would like their dicks. Anyways, so <laughs> we get a little interlude where we she find out... the dick in dictator. <laughs> she would like the from the t- anyway, uh, that Bones hates transporters. Is oh, yes. this the first time we get that? I think so. At yeah. no point have we heard him be space phobic, but I dig that as a plot trait because oh, I yeah. figure someone should have it. Oh yeah. Well, it's also um, they did the same thing in Next Gen season two with Catherine Pulaski. She was, she, afraid she was afraid of transporters, and there's one point where they meet a captain of another ship that she was serving on, and she actually says to Picard, "Like I was about to give her her own shuttlecraft if she hadn't left, I was giving her one." Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Transporters are horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. Because you die. Well, yeah. Which is something we will also explore in Next Gen with Reginald Barkley. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So on the mysterious ancient spaceship, we see... No, we need to give a little bit of moments for her belt. It's the same belt that they usually wear. Yeah, but she's wearing it over a dress and not under the tunic, which is the way we've usually seen it. Yes. Yeah. I think this is belt version three or four at this point, because it's not the weird, like, fakey leathery looking ones. It's just a black belt. It's pretty fakey leathery. So yeah, we go back to the 1990s ship, which... It's, a, it's an interesting blue color. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like a ma- mausoleum, in that there are little cubby holes where the bodies that are covered in gold mesh... In gold mesh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are just lying there being sexy. Yeah, basically. you're right. It did look like a catacombs, yeah. like, like Game mausoleum. of Thrones mausoleum style. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think that's what it was trying to evoke because they're supposed to be in stasis. Yeah, um, ever since they left, but it did have kind of like a quiet as the tomb. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like nothing has moved. Yeah, and so Scotty, Bones, Kirk, and MacGyver go over, and Scotty takes a look around and says, "I'd love to tear." I'd love to tear this body, this baby apart. Yeah, because he's fascinated. Let me try it again. I'd like to tear this baby apart. The ship. I assume he was talking he about was the talking ship about rather the ship. than an actual baby that was. <laughs> yeah, he, he is because he spends a couple of seconds fondling the walls and talking about the ship. It's like, ooh, vintage 20th century ship. I'm going to rip you apart with your sweet, sweet transistors. Yeah, um, and nuclear power and transistor transistor circuits. Like, it's something incredibly ancient and unwieldy, which is hilarious. And MacGyver, MacGyver's pitches in with, oh yeah, it's a sleeper ship. And they were used until 2018. <laughs> Where's my sleeper ship? Yeah, why aren't we sending out sleeper ships? We get more of these, though. Oh, yeah, a bunch we, of them. We find there's one in season one of Next Gen. Yep. With a bunch of people from, from the same Earth. era. Yeah, yeah, who were, really? who were, who died even of, like, diseases and that were, were now frozen terrible. and yeah. shot into space. That ship actually even superficially resembles this one. Oh, cool. That's so, yeah, yeah, like the weird, it kind of looks like a satellite with an engine kind of thing. Yeah. It's, I love, I love that one because you've got like a super important businessman who's like, I need to check my stocks. And Picard's just like, <laughs> settle down, dude. 
Yeah, Stop. so she's like, oh, I've seen pictures of this. Which is kind of charming. Yeah. And Bones is sort of like, yeah, I vaguely know about the technology. I've never heard of one running for this long. So they have no idea whether these people are still alive, whether they'll wake Again, up. Again, I'm going to interject with a little bit of spoilers for this episode. If these guys were so augmented and smart, we should have seen that they had made adjustments to the actual ship to make it last longer until they found something. Just saying, these guys are supposed to have bigger brains than us. Why did they not use them? And we're back. <laughs> so they go over to Khan, and everyone immediately falls into a fucking swoon. Yeah, everyone. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, the camera does a lot of the work there. It, it <laughs> lovingly caresses. <laughs> he uh, spends a lot of this episode with his shirt gaping open at the chest. Yeah, or yes. in this case, draped in very little, but a Speedo and some gold netting. He's essentially in... What's well, they're all in their underwear and draped in gold netting. All of them at this point. What's the guy who's just the comedian Borat. He looks like Borat. Okay. He's wearing a Borat outfit with a Borat speedo. I have never seen Borat. No. What is wrong with you, Crane? I have never seen it either, but I know what that just swimsuit looks like. Nope. Well, I think they're like they're supposed to be like some kind of space blanket of some kind. But yeah, it's gold. If it's netting. a blanket. It should cover you, but. This it's is gold not. Net, it's the camera lovingly like licks its way up his body. It pervs. It pervs. We go over to MacGyver, and she is practically like glowing. Yeah, with lust. Yeah, she's quivering, and then like, oh, he's probably from northern India. He's a Sikh. Like, okay, what are your context clues for this? He's like half naked. Well, it's. Yeah, I don't know. I do not think we want to wade into those particular <laughs> Not really, no. Um, but she's like, oh, they're fantastic warriors. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, um, and he's probably the leader because he's waking up first, and that would be typical of this kind of system or something, sure. I guess. I know. And he, but he's failing, like, his, he is not, he's it's slowly not. coming to breathing. Yeah. And MacGyver, in another fit of unprofessionality, of which we are going to have an entire episode of, says, do something, Captain! Yeah. What is he supposed to do? Step aside for the doctor? Okay, <laughs> other question. In order to get at Khan, Kirk has to break the glass. With a dildo. <laughs> yes, with a dildo. <laughs> it's a metal dildo. Oh so in case God. of emergency... <laughs> No, they brought it with them. He takes it off of somebody's belt. Oh, someone it's, had this. Uh, it's an engineering dildo. Oh, well, they are prepared for <laughs> Oh, God. Every situation. So, Kirk smashes through the glass with the dildo to get at him. Mm-hmm. But my question is, how are these guys supposed to get out of these pods? That's why he smashes the glass, because the release for the door is on the inside. But what if someone was trying to help you I out? I think it malfunctions. That's, it's like it's supposed to let them out and wake them up, but it fails. That's what Scotty says. Because he goes around, he looks in all the paws, and he's like, there's people from all over the world, different ethnicities, different regions. Yeah, so he's starting to breathe. He, they've been there for two centuries. Um, everyone is like, whoa. Well, that's the first thing he asks. He sort of... Yeah, how long have I been out for? Yeah. Two centuries, fair enough. Um, everyone's like, what a magnificent specimen. Mm. Yeah, it's not creepy at all. Not- I'd love to tear that baby apart. I'm going to say he's not that attractive. Handshake him. <laughs> Hear that? That is the sound of us shaking hands. Uh, Ricardo Montalban. Montalban. I'm going to let someone else carry that for me. Um, gives a hell of a performance. Oh, yeah. Not going to deny it from him. Has a body that is there. Not attractive. Not not he, to my taste. My mom really likes him. Ooh. How did yeah. she end up with your dad? He played guitar. No. I had an accent. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. 
No. His face was not good. It's not to my taste. Although no. at the time, he was considered one of the more handsome men in Hollywood. Well, he does spend abroad. a lot of time shirtless. He and does. He's not repugnant. Oh, he no. Has, he hardly has sleeves this whole episode. Yeah, oh, yeah. Very nice arms. Oh, yeah. He's a handsome... He's a man. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone is, like, weak at the knees. Magnificent, says MacGyver's. That's yes. super appropriate. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so... They beam him back up to kind of make sure that he's all medically okay. And I think this is the biggest medical team we've ever seen. There's like five people working on him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Including a nurse with super cute eyeliner. I didn't see her eyeliner. It was really nice. Oh, that's good. Yes. And so Kirk and Spock are trying to figure out what this is. Yeah. And they, it's not really designed for interplanetary use. No, we get the number of survivors here. Some 72, including 30 women. Which they make a point of mentioning. Why they made a point of mentioning that, I have no idea. I assume because otherwise the audience would have assumed they were all men. Um, And they give the odds on the ship. (laughs) They give the odds on the ship having gotten this far, or even leaving the star system, like even leaving the solar system as what, 10,000 to 1? Sure. Uh, Who cares about that? Because next time is my favorite part. (laughs) When they talk about the origins of Botany Bay being a penal colony in Australia, and that this was about penal deportation. As soon as I heard that, I went, oh no, Koreans can say the word penal 15 times. Yeah. I would. And Spock's like, that's a logical penal action. Why Why would you assume that it's penal? And oh, and Kurt's like, oh, because it was dark and it was in the dark. So oh, penal things happen in the dark. Ooh. Are, you, are you keeping are you house? House? I'm, I'm counting, counting yes. Oh, I'd um, like to be bombed out of existence okay. by them penal colonies. Okay. And Spock, and Spock says, says no. Okay, wait, no, no, no. We that's need, ridiculous. We need to talk about this for a second because yes, the penal colony was in yes, Australia. Kim. Yeah. And we still have one there in the future because I believe Tom Paris is in jail in Australia. I'm going to put some heavy quotation. Well, he is technically in jail, but it seemed nice. Yeah, it was Federation jail, but he was yeah. still in jail and he was really pissed about it. Yeah. To be fair, did he not accidentally cause the death of someone and then lie about it? No. No, no, no. No, he was just a fuck up. <laughs> that was a different character in oh, a yeah, different that series. That was Tom Paris before he was Tom Paris. Yes. yes. Tom Paris joined the Maquis and got caught. Did he? Yeah. I thought he was working undercover for someone. Nope, that was Tuvok. Yeah, I know Tuvok was working Yeah, no. Tom Paris got pissed off. He ended up quitting Starfleet for reasons or something because he was mad Cause at his father because he's got daddy issues. So he, in a fit of like... I'll show you. He went and joined the Maquis and got caught and he was went to prison. <laughs> That's bullshit. <laughs> anyway, so Spock is like, well, I, I couldn't theorize, but these people are probably definitely augments from eugenic wars. And Kirk's like, yeah. Spock's like, oh, but I'm sure it's nothing. <laughs> no big deal. Okay, guys. <laughs> Sometimes one and one actually just equal two. Yeah. But instead of doing this incredibly simple math, Kirk's like, it's fine. Let's just head for a starbase and take the ship full of, you know, murderous supermen with us. It'll be fine. They're headed to Starbase 12 and Bones again has a giant heart on for him. He's like, something inside of this man just refuses to die. Yeah. And talks about how he has better lungs and better heart capacity than your average human, all of which are giant, like, neon Broadway signs. He's augmented. Yeah, and he says something that made me laugh real hard, where he's like, I bet he could lift the three of us with one arm. Which he has definitely, <gasps> definitely thought about. Yeah. Um, 
this scene, the thing that I took about that, like, away from this was the deep, deep V of Khan's top. The it's fact like, that they it's found almost him... cut down to his belly button. Yeah, they've yes. got him the muscle shirt version of of infirmary scrubs. Yes, yeah. I feel like that was the gym outfit. Oh, it was <laughs> Charlie X. Maybe his arms were no, just that was too orange. big for everything else. Very I, possibly. I agree. He just his manliness burst out, and they're like, "Ooh, I wonder if his brain matches his body." Everyone on this ship wants to bone Khan. <laughs> that is definitely true. It is. Because MacGyver comes in and she's like, oh, just wanted to check. Him out. <laughs> and Kirk takes her son and goes, are we okay here? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, we're kind of counting on you to see if he's an evil overlord or not. Yeah. And I need you to not let your heart on get in the way of hard facts. Wow. You're welcome. How many times did she say hard? <laughs> I lost track. Uh, yeah, More Kirk was also, like, he was basically, like, to Mac- like MacIver, you're... I'm just going to assume you're being unprofessional about this, and I know men in the past were more attractive than regular men. And that was, like... It's a very strange line. It was... The entire conversation was very weird. It was a weird conversation. I feel like maybe they had history in the past where she'd, I don't know, painted over his favorite manuscript. And so they had history there. But he says that, in this case, the safety depends on a single crewman. The safety of the ship could depend on any crewman at any time. including yourself, whom we, I think, are to understand has been acting unprofessional before. Yeah. I think that's what we're trying well, to get Well, the at. impression that we get is that she basically spends all of her time on this ship doing paintings and ugly sculptures paintings and fantasizing. Of a fictional boyfriend. Yes. Yeah, that's all she does. And apparently it interfering with presumably other duties, if she has any. But we don't know that. No, but everything that we see from her in this episode, and I blame the writers for a lot of this nonsense. Yeah. All of this, oh, I want a mess strong man to carry me away. What the fuck ever. Is she supposed to, like, represent, like female romance novel readers or, like, fangirls no, or something? No, I think what we're supposed to get from this is that... See, I, I used to wonder a little bit whether the Augments, the Superman, whatever, had some kind of pheromone thing. Because this isn't the, this isn't the only time we see people acting completely unlike themselves. Well, Bones does say that they do have... He has a certain amount of magnetism. Yeah. And I think everyone... Code for... Everyone... <laughs> everyone has, at the very beginning, like, a very powerful, powerful reaction to seeing his navel. Like... (laughs) (laughs) And his man cleavage. And his man cleavage. Yeah. And it's like, you people are acting really strange just because of this guy. And it's not just, like, the, the silly female historian thing, but everyone... Seems to be affected by but him. But she is affected oh, more. She is obviously else. affected more than everyone else. But everyone is very clearly affected to some degree, especially at the beginning. I think they're impressed because if someone from if Alexander the Great was unfrozen, we wouldn't let Kim anywhere near him. No, because we would lock her in a room. Kim would betray humankind. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Kim would have more sense than to meet him and would just like. Look at all his pictures on the internet. Are you sure? Yes, I don't like meeting famous Kim, people. you've never met Alexander the Great. I know. How do you know? Because I don't like meeting famous people because it's kind of creepy and weird. <laughs> well, apparently Marlon Givers does not agree with you. No, I always used to wonder if, if some of the augmentation was like telepathy. I think that they have a very strong presence. I think yeah. it's the same thing if you think about someone like Lenin or yeah. Napoleon is the example that we get. Or the Queen. 
I think if we met someone like the queen, regardless of the fact that she's like this frail nine-year-old, I don't think that bitty, the queen could make me act against my own self-interest just because she was awesome. How would you know? You wouldn't know. even know. You could go. Why did I just steal hundred of corgis? Because that's basically what happens here. Is oh, she no. acts? No, I mean that she acts she against could. her own self-interest and against the self-interest of the crew. No, I think she sees it. Absolutely within her own self-interest to climb aboard that dictator. It doesn't look like that in the beginning. No. So, McCoy, and she, and he's like, well, at least she's right on, she, and she's like, yeah, I'm kind of like. You're right, I fucked up. I'm kind of into that. And he's like, well, at least you're honest about it. And it's Could easier to overlook your mistakes, but like, pull your big girl panties on. Yeah. And let's do this. Uh, my favorite part about this whole exchange is that McCoy's like, oh, well, you would have made a fair psychologist. And Kirk is like, fair? <laughs> As if I could be anything less than amazing. While they're having this conversation, uh, Khan sneakily wakes up and no one apparently notices the monitor is beeping. Good job, sick bay staff. <laughs> okay. Not only does he wake up, take a sneaky look around, mm-hmm. but the first thing that catches his eye is a display of medical weapons. Antique medical <laughs> instruments. Medical weapons. Insane. Yeah. A, a display, by the way, which is never here in a previous episode and never seen again. Nope. Convenient, convenient display weapons. With the totally unsupervised possible criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, we need to talk about, we talked about the top half of his fabulous <laughs> scrub. We need to talk about the bottom half. The capris? Yes. It's a jumpsuit with capris. What? Yes. Yeah. It was like powder blue yeah, yeah. capri jumpsuit with like a fabulous sash around the middle. Uh-huh. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. I wish he had stayed in that the entire episode. <laughs> yeah, he sort of falls out of bed, he does some touchy, and then he's fine again. It was like a, it was like a romper is what it was. Yeah. In his romper. Yeah. <laughs> he attempts to choke McCoy out. McCoy again is into this. Oh yeah. He pretends that he's asleep and McCoy comes finally comes to check on the monitors, which have again, been screaming for some time. No one is no security. You don't have a guard. No one's got a phaser. Yeah. You know that he's gonna no, wake McCoy's up eventually. just gonna walk in there, it's fine. Yeah. And the monitors apparently aren't telling them him that he's awake. It does a little whoop. Yeah. This is all bad writing. Mm-hmm. Except for the part where... I actually really liked this bit. Uh, Khan is choking McCoy. And yeah, he grabs like, him by the throat, throat holds like, up the knife. And he's like, are you gonna choke me or cut me? Yeah, Bones was kind of a like, badass. You're here. wasting my time. Either either strangle me or cut my throat. And uh, you should definitely do it under the left ear because I'll bleed out faster. And Khan says, where am I? He says, you're in bed holding a knife at your doctor's throat. Boom! Yep. Yeah. That was great. That was great. I like that. And Khan is so impressed by McCoy's manliness. And he chooses not to kill him. Yes. Yeah. And then... Demands to see the captain. Yes. And thus begins, like, an interrogation scene that makes no sense. And should make Kirk and everyone in the room instantly suspicious that this guy is 100% a criminal. Yeah. 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 And... Won't give his name. Where are you headed? And Kirk's like, oh, we're headed over here. How about first you tell me who the fuck you are? Yeah, how are my people? Name, anything? <laughs> Name, I am fatigued. I have a headache. Yes. Yeah. Eventually, when Kirk tries to get any information out of him, he immediately says, I am fatigued. Yeah. yeah. And, and pretends uh, to go to sleep. It was, like, super suspicious, and that's when you start putting security guards on the guy. Not, like, Not after before. he's already tried taking over the ship. Yeah. Let's ask incredibly suspicious. Um, and then... <sighs> 
And then he says, so I used to be an, uh, engineer. This was so stupid yeah. and made Kirk look like an imbecile. No, How about you uh, give me all the schematics and plans oh, yeah. for the ship? Available to any patient, says yeah. Kirk, is the schematics and inner workings of the Enterprise. Yeah. To any patient. No. That is a no, stupid idea. That is terrible security. This is bad policy. This is right up there with letting the first officer reprogram the kernel of the operating system that runs the ship so that he can play chess with it. Uh, also, the fact that in the naked time, some lower class man is able to take over the bridge and try yeah. to crash the entire ship it, it from put, engineering. Yeah. It put me in mind there's a Next Generation episode called Rascals, where Picard is turned into a child, and he's stuck in the schoolroom, and he needs to take over the ship from the people who have invaded. And he's like, he goes to the computer, and he's like, computer, show me a schematic of the ship. And the computer's like, no, I can't do that. Because that's restricted. And it's like, Worf's son Alexander is like, no, no, you have to think like a kid. It's like, computer, show me a map of the corridors of the ship. It's like public spaces that you can see. Like, it was very, it was like, I don't even know. It was just like, you don't make that kind of shit available to everybody. Although, do you remember the episode where we meet Worf's parents? Where they come on board? Yes. And Worf's dad has read all the schematics and diagrams of the Enterprise D. That is also true. However, he's a former officer and I think was an engineer. Yes. So. I just feel like they should, what is it, Frank Abagnale? I yeah. feel like they should have, they should resurrect him from the yeah, dead. Yeah, just to teach them how to, you know, how manage their data more securely. Good lord. Like, I mean, when he's not even a very good con artist. He's like, he's sending no. out all of the don't trust me signals and they're just no, going they should over just everyone's take a, heads. Take a moment. Like, everyone should have just paused and listened to the music, which actually went dun dun dun. It really yeah. literally And they did. went, oh, wait. Ooh. You're Kirk, a bad guy. Kirk's, like, it's. <laughs> It's partially the writing here is like Kirk's written to be kind of stupid or just not care or pay attention. But like when a guy won't give you his name, you (laughs) don't turn over the technical specs of your ship. It'd be very easy to say, oh, I'm sorry, those aren't available from this terminal. Or, oh, I'm sorry, that's only available for crew members. Or, why do you want that? Yeah. Yeah. I used to be in... Engineer. You you need a piece of ID for a library yeah. card. Yeah. You, should be, <laughs> you should be able to give your name to get the schematics of the giant ship you are on. Yeah. So we get another history lesson. In 1993, <laughs> yeah. there were some young superior beings who tried to seize power in over 40 countries. And these were supermen and women. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. So they have like a concerted effort to take over from the muggles. And Kirk is like, ooh, do you think this is part of selective breeding? Do you think Khan could be one of them? And I'm like, guys. Duh. said he could lift two of you over his head. Three. Three. Yeah. Just throw in another one. They're like, oh, it's it's like Alexander. Not to Kim. But worse. And apparently, this was not in the history books, but there are 80 or 90 supermen who are unaccounted for. I want to know how Spock knows that if it's not in the history books. Well, Kirk seemed to know it too, because he's like, that's not in the history books. Well, the way he said it made it sound like he didn't know that. I thought it was just like unofficial things that they didn't let other people know. It sounded to me like it was something that Spock knew or had discovered and Kirk didn't know and he was surprised to learn. Disagree. But whatever. 80 or 90 of them disappeared. I'm, you know, I'm okay with history being confused if this is like 300 years in the past and maybe a time when record keeping wasn't at its best. They say that. Yeah, they say that five or six times. I'm completely fine with this era having confused records and everything, but it's like, if it, 
the records don't exist, how is Spock finding them? Because he just knows things. Also, well, he says over and over that they're fragmented. If it walks like a duck, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it quacks like a duck, if it can lift two other ducks over its head, if it wears <laughs> pants like a duck, <laughs> it's a duck. <laughs> no, no, it's a Superman. <laughs> so we go back to Marla MacGyver, and here starts the general descent into nonsense oh. and creepiness. Yeah. So he's like, oh, in my ship, we didn't have the luxury of beautiful women. Okay. I want to address this briefly, please, because A, the luxury of beautiful women, B, B, you have women on your ship. They seemed fine. Yeah. They seemed fit. Yeah. And all the context that we get for the super women is that they were equals to the men. They weren't around along as their girlfriends or they wouldn't have bothered sending them into space. No, but you get the sense that the supermen don't. They want to control people, and so they don't want someone who could fight against them as an equal. They want someone they can control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, the thing that got me here is that I actually used the term neg, because he he, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. he negs her on her hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. This is it was the such... only thing I could come up to describe to what he does to her. This is such oh, a bizarre... Superman does supercuts. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So yeah. he's like, oh, because you're like, attractive, but not that attractive, because your hair sucks. Yeah, yeah, why do you wear your hair in that unattractive way? And she says, it's comfortable. He's like, shut up. Let me do your hair. Yeah, and then yeah. he, like, pulls her over and changes her hair. And her face is just, and what the, the fuck is the, going on? No, well, the thing that got me is through this entire section is they both got romantic soft lighting. Yeah, except she's, the weird thing about this is how fast she, like, changes direction like, loyalty-wise, at least temporarily. I think it's supposed to be that if Mr. Darcy showed up... Mr. Darcy was a dick. That was the whole point. No, no, no. But he's still a powerful man, and he's, like, your fantasy boyfriend, right? Yeah, but you're not swept away by his charm. Because he's be. not charming. If, okay, scratch that. If James T. Kirk showed up and was like, Hey, Kareen, want to kill all humans? And I'd be like, hey, hey. I'd be like, well, you're acting out of character. <laughs> I would be Kirk sucks. <laughs> yeah, Kim's a really bad example for this. But oh. the thing is, she seems really, like, really uncomfortable with this whole exchange. And in fact, she books it at a sick bay as fast as oh, she no, possibly no, no, can. Oh, no, 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 She's like, oh, you're so, you're so soft. He grabs her by the arm, and he's like, I'm glad you came. Please do it again. Please do it again. <laughs> and then she's Which like, I gotta the go. The porno version of this is exactly, yeah. I would just keep that. And so then we go to, like, the most awkward dinner party of all time, oh, where gosh. there is the Doctor Who celery... Yeah. The Peter David celery that he keeps in his pocket. Which yeah. Has, yeah. That's on the table along with a number of colored cubes. I really liked all the little containers of food cubes. And then somebody yeah. walks in and is like, this is really nice. I'm like, yeah. no, it is McCoy's not. like, these are oh, the is fancy an admiral coming cubes. to dinner? Oh. These are the fancy food cubes. Um, apparently the banquet was MacGyver's idea. Yeah. And Kirk is like, how strongly is yeah. she? Now we're all going to talk about her crush. It's and this is where Bones crush. is like, he has a sort of magnetism. Yeah. I mean, she's very into history. Yeah, and then he strides in in a baller jacket. Um, there's this little scene in, in quarters before the banquet um, between him and MacGyver's. Apparently, by the way, the Superman doesn't know how to button a shirt. Why should he hide those packs? <laughs> I don't understand why you would. He's like, oh, nice hair now that you fix it the way I want it. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Yeah. It and would. then he looks over, and she has been busy in more ways than one. Yeah. She has been painting him. Very idealized oh, in, like, yeah. ethnic costume. It took me forever to realize that that was him. Me too! <laughs> when he was like, oh, it looks like me, I was like, 
No, sure. it doesn't. I would argue that. Well, it I believe does what not. it's meant to look like is an actually ethnically Indian con. It is really weird because, of course, Ricardo Montalban is not Indian no. at all. Uh, Why did they not just change that when they cast him? Well, the initial version of he this was character was a He's Nordic like Superman, Thor, giant hammer, I mean, bad guy. I feel like we should be glad that they didn't pick like a completely white guy to play this character. Um, for the '60s, that was a big deal when they cast Ricardo Montalban for this role. Well, he's a hell of an actor. Yeah. He pulls off this role in a way that I don't think a lot of people could. No, no. But I think that that's what the painting is meant to be. It's supposed to be if he was actually the ethnicity he's supposed to be. It is very weird. So, okay, so I have written down a quote from here, but I cannot remember for the life of me which which one of them said it. Such men dare take what they want. Was that her? They're together, and yeah. he's like, such men take what they want, and then it's like, making out with Tom. Oh, oh yeah, He's talking right. about okay. all the other dictators. Right, yeah, yeah, okay, I couldn't remember if it was him. But yeah, stop making your your terrible kissing noises, but yes, they make out, and it's gross. Yeah. But it's she's so into it. She is super into it. Because there's the shot where they're like, he's like, oh, and she's like, yeah, but her hands and her hands snake around, up, and yeah. snake up his giant, amazing gold bumpy vest is like yeah she's into it she is she very much is so they're at the banquet ladies are serving the table two per two i think yeah ensigns, two like, ensigns. i assume I hate that so much anyways and so uh spock and kirk trick con into revealing the tr- and i'm gonna put some heavy quotation marks around trick. trick they ask questions <laughs> and he answers with oh yes i am an evil dictator <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I really like this conversation, though, because it's probably the subtlest info dump we get about the eugenics war in this episode, um, because they refer to it as the war to end tyranny, which I assume is some kind of common catchphrase referring to the period in, in contemporary yeah. history books. So the the young supermen took over, and then there was a war to, to get rid of them. power. Yeah. And uh, Khan is like, oh, who's just uniting humanity? Yeah. He doesn't he compare himself to Caesar or is he, yeah. he starts off by admiring Caesar? Yeah. He does compare himself to Caesar. Spock is deeply unimpressed. Um and he's like, So your sympathies were with <laughs> And Khan's like, Oh, you're you're being uh, confrontational so that Kirk can sit there and smile and he praises Kirk for his strategy. <laughs> okay, sure. Whatever. Not I really I did really like where he says that social occasions are only warfare concealed. So yeah, because Kirk, Which is very much like our Friday night dinners. Yeah. yeah. Because Kirk says, well, you're very war-minded. Like you tend to put things in militant terms. He- hinting heavily that that's considered uncivilized these days. No, it's very strange. And Khan at some point is like, oh, we offered the world order. And Kirk is like, "This is where he snaps." Me? Me? Yeah. You, oh, so you were an evil dictator. The and then Khan's like, "Um, I mean, I have a headache again." Yeah, yeah. He's not shy about his no. allegiance. Like, whoops. Jigs up again. Yeah. Um, they do not immediately put him in the brig. No, no. They put him under house or arrest. Or put him under. Do they give him a security guard yeah. at this point? They lock a his door. Single security guard. One security when there guard. is a fact that he can pick up three of them with one arm. With one arm. Yeah. Um, MacGyver follows him to apologize because she has lost all touch They had no right to do that to you. Uh, they had every right to do that to you. Absolutely she every She calls him one. the kings of the past. Oh, honey. And he's like, oh, you do not know who I am. She's like, oh, I know who you are. You were the, yeah, you were the kings of the past. And I am into it. She's like a Snape wife. 
She has no real distinction between reality and her weird fantasized versions of these more or less fictionalized characters that she admires. Which is why I'm a little concerned that she's supposed to be like a fan of romance novels or something. We don't at any point say no, we she's do, a fan no, of romance No, no, novels. we don't get that. We don't hear that. But I just, it's a weird sort of like, because she's so into the, like, the figures of the past and painting them romantically. I don't know how and this one it, made I it think it's Starfleet. the romance of history, because history for a very long okay. time was the history of great men. men. Yeah. And yeah. the kind of cults of personality and research about these amazing superhuman figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so because she is a historian, I think she is supposed to represent that line of thinking that really the study of history is the history of exceptional individuals rather than the history of every person. Yeah. Okay. And so I think that's what she's supposed to be. And then it turns into Fifty Shades of Khan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would not have been a miss in that film at all. No. Well, because, I mean, he also says at this point that he's going to have to remold this time to his liking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which flag. every girl wants to hear. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, come or stay, do what you want to do. But, but do def- it because it is what you want. Yeah. So it's almost like he's offering her but a But not. Because he's like, oh, I changed my mind, now you have to beg, get on your knees. And I was like, oh, are we going there? Yeah, that was <laughs> disturbing. Open your heart. Open your heart. Yeah. Which immediately I was like, oh, it's the Indiana Jones. Well, the way that that particular bit of dialogue is framed, I'm like, oh, you're taking over her brain with your evil telepathy. Except, I love how you like to Well, no. That. that would just make this a lot better. It would, because he essentially spells out his plan. I'm going to take this ship. I'm going to need your help. And she's like, okay. Shut up and don't question me. She's like, don't hurt people. And so he immediately hurts her and then promises to do anything that he asks. Yeah. 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 My question is, who the hell did the psych evaluation on her? Yeah, I've I've wondered that a lot. Starfleet HR? Starfleet HR? Starfleet HR? This entire scene was very disturbing. It It was. It was not okay. Yeah. It's It's like, why are you going along with this? It makes no sense at all. Because she's supposed to be kind of weak-willed in awe of him. It was incredibly weak It was like a diagram of of an abusive relationship starting. That has lasted about 45 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, they... Have gone through the records. They figured out this guy's con. Yeah, took us about you know an no hour. no times. Um, that through ninety two to ninety six. Uh, con Noonian Singh. Yes, yeah. the best w- of the tyrants. <laughs> yeah, again a dubious distinction. There. Well, they, uh, they, they this is the bit where Spock sort of staring at them, and, and Spock and Bones and and uh, and Kirk are like, okay, well, okay. I mean, and Scotty, you're like, well, I mean, yeah, he was an evil, murderous dictator, but he was the least evil, murderous dictator. There were there were no, you know, what what did he say? No massacres, no war under his rule. And Spock's like, yeah, but he was a murderous dictator. And this is the well, yes. we can we can be against him and still admire him at the same time. Spock's like, humans are crazy. It's true. And apparently Khan ruled over one-fourth of the world. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when he said... For like two years. When he said that, you know, we can be against him and still admire him at the same time, I actually wrote down in my lo- in my notes, that's basically my life philosophy. Murder <laughs> 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 that on a pillow. And so Kirk is like, oh yeah, put a, put a security outfit of him. This is where he gets security. This yeah. is where he gets security. He also is now dressed in an engineering outfit. Yeah, there's no explanation of this at all. That made no sense. He has the most costume changes of any male guest star in the original series. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, it's true. And Kirk is like, so what? what's your plan? Uh, yeah, because he goes to see him alone in his quarters. Of course he does. 
And Khan's like, you wouldn't understand. I need a world to conquer. You're tiny, tiny, and non-genetically engineered brain. Yeah, humans have not evolved. Man has not changed. And he's oh, like, this is the bit where he's like, well, your technology has uh, advanced astronomically, but humans themselves have not changed. And that's exactly where you're like, oh, he's going to beat him with tools. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because that game was a surprise to me. <laughs> and so they leave one guy, and I have this underlined about yeah. 18 times, one guy mm-hmm. guarding the door. Yeah. The door, which apparently... Oh, no. Khan interpretive dances his way out Oh, yeah. Of Oh, yeah. Because basically, there's this little sort of where Con, between Kirk and Khan, where Kirk is like, "Sure, give me, give me all your information. What do you care? You think we're inferior?" And Khan's like, "You wouldn't understand. You're not genetically engineered. Do you have any other questions?" And Kirk says, "Thanks, but they've all been answered." Kirk leaves, and about two seconds later, Khan's like, "Okay, it's time." Rips open the door with his hands. With his hands. Dance. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what it is too, because he punches the guy and he spins through the air like a ballerina. He leaps meters away. He's like that one stormtrooper in Force Awakens when they were taking the base, where he sort of spins through the air. The other two just fall down, but that one guy really committed to the role. He did, and then Khan, with MacGyver's help, because she throws him a phaser, they take over the ship. Yeah. No, they don't take over the ship. Not right away. They, really they go back to they wake up. They take over the ship bit by bit. Yeah. So they take over engineering and they shut off the atmosphere. Well, no, because they, the they, they take wake the up time the other... to transport over to the Botany oh, yeah. Bay first, wake everybody up, then come back and take over the And ship. apparently in the two hours this must have taken, apparently no one thought to disable the transporters. They should have shot that ship out of the yeah. sky. Did they, like, did they not notice and nobody noticed the security guard lying unconscious in the corridor? For, like, also the fact that the transporter was working overtime? Yeah. yeah. Transporting seventy people. Over? This was a gigantic this must have taken plot hole. Yeah, like a gigantic. Over. Plot hole. There's one person in charge of the transporter. Yeah, one. Was that the same blonde guy we've seen in the last couple of episodes? I feel like yeah, it, was. it is. It he is. does have a name in the Memory Alpha article, but I've forgotten it. Yeah. Okay. So essentially, now Khan is going to kill everyone on the bridge by taking out the oxygen. We yeah. need to talk first about all the other super people. Okay. Um, because doing interpretive dance. Yes, because. The gentlemen are all dressed in utilitarian orange coveralls, while well, all of now. the ladies are wearing gold mesh bathing suits. Well, no, there's there's two ladies in the background who are already dressed in the coveralls. I think they're all no. ones that we see. Nope, they are nope, all, all bathing suits. Gold no, mesh. They're bathing in the suits. process of, but I think they're all changing because they were all dressed in the gold mesh originally when they were in their things. But and you we see two only people. See ladies. You see two people carrying the jumpsuits. Too. So they're in the process of getting changed. Apparently, they had Superman uniforms on board. Well, they had their own uniforms. Those yeah. were special heat blankets to keep them alive. Mm-hmm. So Khan is essentially like, okay, uh, give me the bridge and show me how you work this ship or I will suffocate all of you. Because he's jammed the communications, turned off the turbo lifts to the bridge, and broken the atmospheric control Again, on yeah. the bridge. Again, learn to do this by looking at the schematics that are freely available to anyone who comes on board. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Kirk and Co. go into, well, apparently there is a protocol for this now. Good job, even though it's too late to use it. Um, flood all the decks with gas. That doesn't work, of course, because he's fucking broken it. But, okay, so... Good job you let him read all that scat. All that everyone is suffocating, and here is one of the most beautiful moments, which I will admit I got a little stuffed up and emotional with. With his last breath, his last shreds of consciousness, Kirk chooses to take these moments... To enter in his official log. 
commendations for all the people on the bridge. I yeah. thought that was great, actually. Yeah, I liked that a lot. That was very nice. I thought that was beautiful. And his last press, he said he takes full responsibility for everything that happened. Yep. And I'm like, as you should, because you made <laughs> terrible decisions. Fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so they didn't totally kill them dead. No, just unconsciousness. They wake up and they've got Kirk in this is it decompression chamber that is actually a real medical thing that exists now what medical decompression is but odd and then they have the rest of the crew in chairs and khan's like okay uhura bring this up on screen and she's like fuck no 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 and i honestly this was i loved her most disturbing part of the episode so superman jumpsuit drags her over to the controls she looks at him like i don't know what you expect me to do here and he Pull-ups her. He yeah. smacks her hard. But to her credit, she turns around and death glares him. Yeah. Her entire demeanor in this bit is like, fuck you. Yeah. She's amazing. And yeah. in terms of like the context of what was happening at that time in the civil rights. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because um, he, the, you know, orange jumpsuit, he pulls back. To hit her again. Yes. And she's in the process of standing up to face him. She's yes. making a fist. Yeah. She's amazing. I love and then MacGyver so steps badass. in and says, oh. No more of this. No, thank you. So, there Do I have to watch this? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Khan is like, oh, weak ladies. And he sends her out of the room. So the rest of them get to watch Kirk be decompressed. Yeah. This is this is where he, he offers the deal. Yes. Um, and they're like, I think this this conversation is between him and, well, mainly Spock, I guess, because he's the next in command with Kirk mm-hmm. in the decompression chamber. He's like, find me a colony planet. And this is what he says is willing to be led. And Bones is like, you mean fucking conquered, you asshole. Everyone, every crew member who is on the bridge is a stone cold badass. Oh, God, yeah. I loved them. They yeah. were all so great. Nobody... Nobody begs for Kirk's life. Nobody nope. flinches. Nobody even looks around like, should we do it? Nope. They just, they know you don't cooperate. Yep. It was a very, it was a very cold, like you don't negotiate with terrorists. Hard line by the entire crew. I loved it. And I think it was very interesting because it really gives you the idea that Starfleet is a quasi-military operation. Mm-hmm. And that there are protocols for this and everyone just kind of sits there and will take it for the good, yeah. for the greater good of Because the of course, I mean, it's not just... Do we save the captain or don't we? Do we save the ship at the expense of the captain or vice versa? It's if we go along with what he wants, he's going to conquer the universe. Okay, here is my question then. Why they're doing this. Are they trying to get the crew to cooperate to conquer them? Or are they trying to get the crew to cooperate because they're not actually entirely sure how to use the ship? Yeah, that. Second. Second one? They they get the technology. They don't know how to actually use it. Okay. So you don't think there was any element of... This is the first step into their whatever they were going to start taking over is that they want to make these guys no. bend to them immediately. They just want to subjugate them. I think that once my the- my my theory has always been that once they taught them how to use the ship, they'd either you oh, know I thought they would kill they them. would just kill them. Yeah, I mean, I guess they might dump them on a planet for service or something, but I think it would be much more efficient to just space them all. Exactly, which is probably why they had the decompression chamber on board. Actually, now that I think of yeah. it, so. MacGyver t- changes sides as she yeah. is want to do. They lose picture, and Khan is like, no, it's fine. It's fine. That's Again, not Again, Khan is shown not to be the intellectual equal of anyone, because when the picture cuts out just before you see your enemy really dead, you definitely go and take a look. I oh, would. yeah. Uh, 
And then they take Spock out to, the decom- to be decompressurized. Yeah, because yeah. they, they're just going to keep going through command crew <gasps> until someone Who, goes Who's after, after Spock? Is it Scotty? I think Scotty. Scotty. Yeah, Scotty. Oh, do you think they'd sacrifice Scotty or they realize he's really the only person on the ship who would be his fault? Yeah. <laughs> Scotty would have figured something out by then. That's true. I'm sure that's in the log somewhere. Whatever you do. And I'm sure they have, like, a Scotty clone somewhere under glass. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> in emergency. In emergency. Break glass. Break glass. <laughs> So, of course, Kirk is fine. They go and they flood the ship with the deadly gas so that everyone falls asleep. Unfortunately, putting their own people to sleep, but... Well, not everybody, because I really liked this, too, because they go to sickbay and MacGyver has let Kirk out of the chamber. And apparently, you know, that doesn't raise any alarms because, again, they left one guard to guard Kirk. and she's only sporting. Yeah. And the other guy comes in with Spock. Kirk distracts him by, like, waving his arms and saying, over here, and Spock mm-hmm. nerve pinches mm-hmm. him. These people are pathetically easy to defeat if you just use a tiny bit of teamwork, which apparently escapes them. Which makes sense. And then they, I guess, they run off to gas the ship. I, MacGyver's at this point just disappears. Well, I assume she, went, she went back to her quarters to think about her life choice. <laughs> I assume so. So, here's what starts the greatest part of the episode. So, Khan runs off, and Kirk's like, no, I must go confront him by myself. Despite the fact that I am deeply, deeply, deeply outmatched. He, Khan is in engineering. Kirk runs in really Learn to clear a room. Khan is behind the entranceway. Yeah. Immediately bonks him It's on like the head. hiding behind the door. Yeah. He's behind you. Yeah. But now starts one of my favorite fights of all time. Because <laughs> for 90% of it, it is clearly not William Shatner. And it's not even like from behind. <laughs> no, it's full on frontal shots. I yeah. was mostly paying attention to, because at one point Kirk is supposed to like rip a pipe or something out of a control yes. panel and like be beating Khan with it. Yeah. And I'm like, that is definitely soft rubber. Yeah. That oh, has, it's styrofoam. It's styrofoam. no weight behind it whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> and that was what I was mostly watching yeah. is him like attempting to beat this guy into submission with like something that weighs like six grams. Yes. And Such action. The sound isn't even right. They couldn't even dub in a heavy sounding noise. No, it's, it's just, just like, like it's beating him with styrofoam. My yeah. one weakness! <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. The, oh, the shots that they have. So, Khan and Kirk are, like, having a fight, which full obviously Kirk, Kirk <laughs> full Kirk, they cannot fight. They, he cannot win. Shatner will apparently only do leg work. So, <laughs> if he's hanging from something and he's, like, putting his legs around Khan, then yes, that is Shatner. If he is fighting it with his arms, else, it is a tiny gymnast whose uniform is hanging off of yeah. him. <laughs> to the point where he has so, like two or three layers on under the uniform. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't the same guy who was visibly larger than Kirk no, no, when they did the double. Kirk double episode. Yeah. <laughs> Although he had similarly mismatched hair color. He looks nothing, nothing. like him. It was very funny because he was funny. He was like, wait a minute, pause this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went back to watch it again. I did not notice that. What I did notice... Kirk's shirt does not get ripped off. I know. It doesn't. I was extremely disappointed. In fact, he's wearing, like, a full shirt underneath the uniform. It's true. I feel like they're like, ooh, if we put Shatner's ooh, man flesh yeah. next to Ricardo <laughs> Montalban, his man flesh, that's going to look come out on top of that. No. But it is Kirk with the lead pipe in engineering for the win in the best clue game of all time. I love this because this is when they're like trash talking each other. I have five times your strength. You are no match for me. And Kirk's like, yeah, well, I have this pipe. (laughs) Pipe versus strength. Pipe wins every time. Yeah. Pipe or diamond cannon. Mm -hmm. And so he beats the shit out of him. Yep. Because tools. 
<laughs> yeah, duel. <laughs> and so now they're, we're back on the bridge. We're trying to figure out what to do with Khan and his people. And they're like, oh, they're too crazy to go to a reorientation center. What is, is it reorientation or re-education? Reorientation. It just like from evil to good. It was just like it's too much. Like the attitude I got was it's too much trouble to put them in prison. He said it was a waste. Well, That's what a waste of what? I assume the time of the people at the penal colony. Oh, okay. I was picturing yeah. someplace like in Dagger of the Mind. Yeah, but you can't the, trust those people to do no. anything. See, Kirk says waste, and I think what we're supposed to hear is, oh, but they have they're so awesome, even though they're evil they dictators. Awesome. Except what I thought was. Okay, but they take over and then conquer the galaxy from the re-education center, so you really can't put you them can't there. Do the, you, can't, you can't take them anywhere. No. But they do have time for a show trial. Mm-hmm. Oh the my god. six minutes. Where Kirk has his tiny bell, and Scotty gets to sit in, which I thought was nice. So, I mean, Kirk describes this as a trial, but... Or a hearing? But <laughs> a hearing. He's the only one who talks. Yeah. It is like, it is just like the Kirk pontification hour. I use the jury, judge, and executioner. It, it feels like we skipped like the actual trial and we're just to the reading of the sentence part. Oh, no. Kirk's like, oh, we have enough time for a show trial before we get to the study system. And what am I going to do about MacGyver's? Oi. Okay. Yeah. What indeed. So he's like, all the charges are dropped. And I'm sitting there going, what? What charges? They took, oh, no, well, the charge of taking over the ship. They tried to take over and blow up the ship and, like, destroy the crew. MacIver mutinied. Yeah. Which is why she's, uh, I don't know about the rest of them, but she's offered a choice between court-martial and going with them to the shitty, empty planet that they found for them. Yeah, so they say, you've tamed a continent. Australia planet. Can you tame a world? Yeah. How can you tame a world that has nothing in it? I also really just enjoy the idea that they're going to dump them on a planet with nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. We don't know that for a fact. No, because somebody says something something about, like, yeah. oh, it'll be interesting to go see them and see if they manage to grow food. <laughs> well, but he, and an episode. Yeah. Well, he said, what is the, the last line is... Um, no, Khan says it's going to be difficult even to find food. Yeah. Yeah, at the they, beginning. They if just, he thinks it's hard, it's well, yeah. really hard. And then they offer MacGyver's the choice, and she's like, no, I'll go with him. And Khan's like, superior woman, I will take her. Ugh. Uh. No, the, the seeds thing. is <laughs> Well, he says he's got a world to win and an empire to build. Your crappy empire on your crappy Australia planet? What will spring from the seeds we planted today? Also, empire to build, except there's only 72 of you, so not okay. a very and big empire. Somebody says something in here about Milton, because Scotty has to ask yes. about it. Mm-hmm. And Kirk says it's better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. Yes. Yes. Yeah. From Paradise Lost. Yeah. I've never read that. I probably Don't. should at some point. Super good. Yeah. Very interesting. It's the story of Lucifer. Yeah. I've I've listened I've listened to podcasts, like multiple episode podcasts talking about it. I've never read it. <laughs> it was on ideas on CBC. <laughs> okay. It's like why don't you listen to a podcast about something you haven't read or anyways. <laughs> yeah. So end episode. Criminals get see what crops have sprung from the seeds you planted. Spoiler, shitty ones. Right. So, now what? (laughs) (laughs) Now it's the end of the episode. And what have we learned? Supermen are dicks. Mm. Superman is a dick. It's true. Uh, Ari? They were probably right to ban genetic engineering. It seems like. One Napoleon was definitely enough. Yep. It was an interesting idea for an episode, but it it 
the writing was just not great, and so the whole thing, I just spent the entire thing going plot hole, plot hole, plot hole. Well, this is another one of those episodes where the underlying idea was really interesting, but the writing did not carry it off. Yeah, exactly. They really wanted it to. You could tell how enthusiastic everyone was about this, and in fact, it becomes this really iconic Star Trek storyline. It's just that this first bit is a little bit... Shaky. A little clunky because yeah. again, you had to show that he was superior in any way, and the they only didn't. indication that we have is that he is stronger than people. Yeah, he's well, stronger. He learns he's, faster. Fine, but he whatever. gets bested by a pipe, so who cares? Yeah, yeah. he's got the calm. Like I like the calm arrogance that he had. Like yes. he believed yeah. in his own superiority. Yeah, one hundred percent. What brings him down? And yeah. Ricardo Montalban gives a hell of a performance. Oh yeah, mm. and I think I think we're all united in giving him performance of the episode. Oh, definitely. Yes, but I was going to throw in a caveat of that Michelle Nichols deserves some res- yes. uh, uh, respect in this as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, tip of the hat. Yeah. But uh, Ricardo kills. Oh, yeah. yeah. He does. He continues to. And I, I can see why they brought him back for the film and yeah. as the main villain because he arguably is one of the people who had enough charisma to make Kirk the less interesting person in the room. I think that might be his only evidenced superpower is incredible, <laughs> impossible, superhuman charisma. Is that ladies like him more than Kirk? And actually, now that I think of it, in he, he's a much more convincing adversary in Wrath of Khan. But do you remember why? You no, know, I don't remember Wrath of Khan. Kill Kirk's son? No. But you, am I the only one who actually is cognizant of having watched this movie? I maybe slept through it. Okay, so I'm going to spoil you. Um, they take over the Enterprise again, of course. Um, but the way that they do it is by taking over uh, key crewmen who were, like, trustworthy and loyal to Kirk, like Chekhov. But they do it with, like, brain slugs that, like, affect their ability to think. So, you what? know how I said? Yeah, they're little slugs, and it makes them, like, loyal and pliable and et cetera, et cetera. It basically makes them zombies who obey Khan. That is the only way that they managed to do it. That in sounds Wrath of stupid. Khan. Well, the thing is that it actually makes this whole charisma nonsense is like, fine, he's charismatic. That doesn't mean that everyone would automatically do exactly what he said, especially when his usual problem solving method is to kill everyone. Um, but it's like, remember how I said that this would make more sense and it would be a better, more convincing story, in my opinion, if he actually had some kind of mind control power. You want him to do the salt monster on people. Not exactly but i want i want there to be an actual push behind his charisma because otherwise it just means that the people that he is controlling are stupid and the brain slugs or what i can't remember exactly what they were but that doesn't sound right like that can't be right no totally stupid i can't remember exactly what they are but yeah but given that we're supposed to buy that it's just pure charisma and general genetic awesomeness that makes them powerful and successful which we never actually see them being by the way successful not for very long anyway um, it, it, it at least, it's like, it gives you a clear mechanism for how they actually manage to get people to do what they want because they can't do stuff on their own. There's not enough of them. People are not convinced in large numbers to do what they say. You need to actually be able to control people because otherwise it makes no sense that this many people would act against their best interests. You know what? I'm going to put it out there and say that slugs are stupider than charisma. Not they're literally slugs. They're yeah. little things they put in their ears. That's, like, really dumb. Like, especially Slowly. now that we're living in a time of, like, I mean, if you look at American politics, it's got people Oof. salivating over Donald Trump, who has, like, got terrible ideas, and yet tons of people are, like, on board. And they have to go to slugs? <laughs> well, I mean, 
Creating your face, my face and your face are doing similar things. In the movie, they're not trying to control, like, random Joe Schmo off the street. They're trying to control highly trained Starfleet officers with well-established loyalties. Why not just shoot them? Because they needed their access to get back onto the ship. Right. So, So, I'm just saying that that's more convincing than, they're just really charismatic and awesome. Before this conversation started, I was really looking forward to Wrath of Khan, because that's the one that everybody loves. I do. Now, I have done one, like, I'm completely turned around. No, No. the slug, the slugs. The slug thing, you lost me. Yeah. They're not literally slugs, I don't think. Slug plug. Anyway. But, we can all agree that, that, the fact that they are just charismatic is not enough to sway that they're ultra-successful conquerors. I would. But in this instance? Yeah. I always thought it was really funny in this instance, because they're not trying to sway, like, regular people. They're trying to sway a starship crew. No, but... Uh, and the only person they managed to sway is is Fangirl MacGyver's. But she was a Starfleet yeah. officer. But she set up from the very beginning of the episode as not being a very good one. I think he could have changed. I think he could have turned Bones if he wanted to. <laughs> he should have started with Bones. I would have bought it more. That's true. All right. So, uh, number death toll. Actually, nobody died. Other than there was a few crew members who didn't survive on the sleeper ship. But since they probably died centuries earlier, we're not counting them. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight ladies. And, well, actually, no. I think it's closer to 12 because there's either... Three or four ladies in the background of the ship, but I didn't get a perfect count. of uh, When we first ladies. go on the ship, there is a lingering shot over one of the ladies in yeah. the gold mesh. Um, and seven people of color. Yeah. All right. Um, we all learned something here today. I'm sure. Like I said, I enjoy more what this episode leads to than the episode itself. Like, I'm really looking forward to, to getting to later iterations of this and trying to tease out any kind of coherent line because there isn't one for the eugenics war and being the eugenics war being mentioned in star trek canon because it's all over the place and there are some things that are actually acknowledged mistakes yes like the the timing quoted in um the ds9 episode in dr bashir i presume i don't remember they actually give a a date of like when it happened and they are off by like two centuries (laughs) yeah i'm also gonna be interested when we talk about the section of episodes in Enterprise that deal with this super superhuman time period as well. I don't like. I know I've seen it. I remember them all being very sweaty. I remember them all having holes in their clothes. It was yeah. a sweaty time. It was. Uh, but I'm like, I'm, I'll be interested to see if I can like once we get there how it all came about because I don't really remember. All I remember is a uh, spoiler alert: Korean Brett Brent Spiner. Um, yeah, that's Death the other thing. Um, as uh, um, he's 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 a plays somebody who's at that point interested in genetic engineering, whatever, whatever. And then there's a really cheesy line where he's he's in prison at the end. He's like, maybe superhumans isn't the way to go. Maybe I should look into robots. Yeah, there's a direct <laughs> line from Khan Nunyan Singh to Data to Data. Yeah, because oh. what's his name? His name's Ark Singh. In, in Enterprise. Yeah. yeah. The geneticist, hypersensitive, whatever. Yeah. And Data's father. A, he is... makes the joke about, me get two generations to get it right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Data's father is his grandson? Something like that, yeah. And his named Noonien Soong. Dr. Yeah. Noonien Soong. So that's like, there's a direct connection. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Which I don't think was intentional. Enterprise is not the most subtle show. No. Well, I think that, that was totally like an oops, a throwaway thing until they got to Enterprise and they're like, wait, we can fill this gap. Yeah, I don't know. So they just made some stuff up. 
just because there's a gap doesn't mean you have to fill it. Speaking definitely of the gaps in uh, Ricardo's <laughs> clothing. Shirt. Never, never trust Matt Cleavage. Never trust Matt Cleavage. <laughs> that should just be our life lesson for this episode. Yeah. Never trust Matt Cleavage. Or people who get special, like, sleeveless scrubs and Capri Man pants. I'm honestly trying to go through my mind to think of an exception to this rule. I'll go back to you next week. (laughs) 